Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? This is, what a crazy experience. It's like we're, this feels like a professional podcast. We have a producer in the room. We started on time. Look at the camera angles are changing. The audio quality is good. I feel like our little podcast is all grown up. We're 15 minutes late. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. Uh, I'm still happy to be here. That's not changed. That's true. Yeah. There you go. Were you unhappy to be here before? No. Guys, it's the Masters of Modern Podcast. I guess that's why it hasn't changed. Yeah, we talk modern on this show. Uh, This is the live stream. That's Alex Kessler, as he mentioned. I'm Ben Bateman. Marshall James. I did this already. I just wanted to, you know, reroute the ship. Uh, Trying to steal my moves. (laughs) I like your moves. Uh, Marshall James is our new producer, and he's in the room. He's just a few feet away from us. Marshall, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. You look great. Well, coming from you, that means the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your head was the uh, thumbnail. The thumbnail for a hot second. Excellent. People got only here for the sneak preview show on the live stream. Speaking of which, uh, for those who don't know, uh, we try to regularly live stream this show. Uh, we're aiming to do it at somewhere between 5 and 5.30 start times on Tuesdays now. Yep. Hence the professional produceriness that Ben has been talking about so far this episode. Um, to make sure we're doing it or you're able to listen in, go to our YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash themmcast, and you can subscribe and like and favorite, and you can watch live streams. You'll get an alert, um, and then we'll also share out the live stream when we're on Twitter or Facebook to all of our groups and stuff. If you follow us on Twitter, we are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. That's where you can follow us. Please like, subscribe to this YouTube channel if you are streaming live, if you're watching the video of this. Um, this is episode 201. There was some wonkiness as far as the actual episode numbers, as we did like a two-part set review and stuff like that. But this technically, officially to us, is episode 201. Well, yeah, so if you look on our Collective.Company website, it says 202 three for this episode and last week was 202 and we said it was 200 it's because we did bonus episodes early or middle on in the career yeah the way itunes works is you don't get bonus episodes so um a couple things in case you missed last week and you're tuning in for the first time here alex and i are now into uh the the 300s uh two to 300 episodes of the show and we're very excited about the future because we wanted to make some improvements so one of them is you'll notice there's card images on the screen here video we, we had to buy a new zoom recorder to improve our audio the old one was getting kind of faulty um, yeah, we were kind of upgrading the set. That's going to continue happening as we go. So keep up to date there. Uh, and, and as he mentioned a second ago, and I mentioned, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's one of the most helpful things you guys can possibly do. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers, which is really cool. And, uh, yeah, we have a sweet episode coming up today on the show. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Mythic Championships, um, a new modern product that has been teased to be coming out in February with maybe, we think, possibly some some new exclusive modern cards. Um, We are going to be talking about some brand new Ravnica Allegiance cards that are affecting modern. And then, finally, having an entire discussion about some of the alternative ways you can be winning in modern outside of the A-list deck archetypes, some alt-win conditions that Alex and I have a lot of faith in, plus some Electro-Dominance talk because Electro-Dominance is dope. He says faith. Uh, that's a strong word. <laughs> so that is today's itinerary. Um, and I think we should kind of just get into it because, you know, shout outs are what they are. So first and foremost, magic news. Did it. it was announced in the last week that the 64 players going to the million dollar magic invitational, which is an invite only uh, event with 64 players. I'm right about that, right? It is 64. Yes. Yeah, 64 players for a million dollars. First place is going to win $250,000. A magic event where you can win 250k, guys. Unheard of, crazy. Obviously Wizards competing heavily in the esports world with with a purse like that starting to really put their foot in the ring. Um, the last eight players it was announced are going to be qualified players who are grinding February 1st to February 28th on uh, Magic Arena. That's that is how you qualify. So you have to grind an arena, be one of the top ranked players. If you are one of the top eight ranked players, you'll join the other fifty six invite only players, which are primarily the Magic Pro League, as well as some exclusively invited other personalities, streamers, etc. Um, Alex, what do you think about this? It's, it's like a pretty crazy amount of money to be able to win playing Magic. I mean that yes, I mean, we've I've kind of been emotionally ready for that since they made kind of the 
financial announcements late last year, uh, or I guess middle of last year. Um, and the, the thing that that's exciting is a little bit more of a breakdown of how this, at least this invitational war work. Now I do believe and wizards is now kind of given the messaging cause there was a lot of worry, especially this plus, um, the GP, you know, no text coverage anymore announcement happening. Right, right. Of, like what's going on with the pro tour and how do we qualify for everything? I do think we'll still have classic pro tours that will also have prizes around this size, but they're adding two invitationals that are meant to be more of an arena focused event style. And I think that the ranking system of eight players on arena is going to be a very fascinating moment. And of the end of that, that week. So like, the end of the period where you get locked in to go to this, there's going to be an hour where you just have to be jamming as many games as you possibly can and try and win all of them because your ELO ranking is going to live update as it's going. Right. And, like, the difference between 8th and ninth places is going to be real tight. And, and I, I'm equal parts worried and excited to see how that moment happens. And just like any sport uh... – just like any sport, the people that are on the edge that don't quite make it are going to be totally crushed, disappointed. Obviously, the difference is that if it's tennis or some other thing you're qualifying, you have usually a qualifying event, like a single event, that if you place high enough in that event, you'll get the qualification versus an arbitrary number of games you're jamming and having to do really well in all of it to keep your ranking high. Um, and that's going to be the part of it that's the mad dash, kind of, that's going to be unfortunate. But nonetheless, it's such a step forward in our community that I can't say anything but positive things about it. I mean, honestly, when I read that you could qualify by just grinding on Arena, it made me want to go and start grinding on Arena that second. Like, it Same. really, it really Same. did. I got that feeling of like, oh, this is so cool. I can go do this. Um, and that's a good thing. So what are you doing? Why are you here? I didn't start grinding. You could, get, you could yeah. win $250,000. I would have to spend every moment of my life. Yes, that is what people are doing currently. I think that's like the unhealthy part of the whole situation is that like to do it, you probably – you know, there's going to be 300 people that are going to really try and only eight of them get yeah. that. And it's a month long qualifying period. Right. And to go through the effort to accomplish that seems possibly unsustainable in the long run. And we're, I'm, I'm interested to see that's kind of what I'm talking about is the negative side of this. And it's just one event. I mean, the bottom line is they're still going to be they will still have qualification based events. That'll still happen. And mm -hmm. that's I mean, that's always the dream of the Magic players. You, you get into a big event by qualifying through some other means, and that'll still happen. So, um, you know, the, the begs the question, though, with so much focus being put on Arena, we've, we've asked before, what of Paper Magic? What's going to happen to Modern? You know, and, and that was proposed to uh, someone on an interview. I know the professor was in it. This was, a, this was a live stream happening last week. We have a link to the article here, but the, the actual uh, personalities involved, it, it's somebody at Wizards whose name is not coming to me right now. But basically the question was asked, what is going to happen to modern? Does it mean, does all this focus right now on digital magic mean that modern is going to go by the wayside? And the answer was absolutely not. Um, modern is being supported. It will stick around. So much so that this person in this interview said, keep your eyes out in February for an exclusive modern product. Uh, I don't think he actually said those words, but that's what was indicated. Mm -hmm. And my question to you is, what the heck is that product? So it could be a few things. Uh, you know, they have stated there are no longer going to be master sets. And, you know, literally Gavin Verhey said on the podcast last week, did a state of the union type of uh, uh, breakdown of the state of, you know, magic product um, design today. That's what was on the mothership today. And even in that, he's like, you know, master sets are retired. Now, with that in mind, he also went on kind of all the other products that have been successful, you know, uh, the new kind of intro decks have been successful. The challenger decks that we, you know, we did an entire episode on talking about what modern challenger decks can look like, looking at kind of what the event deck was and then what these challenger decks ended up being for standard and what deck types. And we, I think we, you know, Titan Shift was one of the decks we came up with and there right. was a few other ones that we talked about. You're like, looking for stuff that you could do at a sustainable price. Correct. Right. You, you have to build a deck that isn't maybe tier A, but could be like a tier B version of that list. Because what, what can you charge as Wizards? 50 bucks? 100 bucks? You can charge 100 bucks. You can charge maybe, 99, 99. Maybe a little bit more, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, uh, and then the, the back end of that is, you know, master sets are done, but uh, themed draft-specific uh, drafting sets are not. We had Battle Bond last year. We had uh, Unstable the year before that. I'm so glad I'm getting Unstable right and not calling it Unglued anymore. I'm impressed. Big win for me. <laughs> like, it's like a Sage of the Palace is what you've just done. I've, I've, it was Sage Rhino. <laughs> he sages around, all right? Casting spells, draining people for three life. Uh, lightning Helix. Lightning Helix. 
<laughs> Back to what you're talking about. Um, so, you know, but with that in mind, it's very possible we're getting a limited focused modern set kind of taking what the modern master sets were doing beforehand, but focusing it on that. Now, the really exciting question I have is the most successful product so far in the world of new product they've come out with outside of their standard releases Commander. are stuff with new cards. Or Commander is, is Commander the primary sets have been really But Commander, right? Conspiracy, Battle Bond, Unstable, all of these have one thing in common, and that is they have cards that are not standard legal cards being printed. And on the whole, those cards... And, and granted, like we talk about, sometimes we talk about the format Highlander Roulette and, and like how exciting it is to get to play with brand new cards. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those cards are some of the most exciting things when you're, when you're dealing with commander decks and you're dealing with things that are a little bit wider and they're not as like focused type competitive. Right. Because anything from like um, Spellseeker is a great example of a card that like, I love that card. Mm -hmm. What a cool card to have printed. Or when they, re when they did uh, Recruiter of the Guard in Conspiracy 1, like, you know, it, it completes that kind of cycle that you had with Imperial Recruiter. Like that's a really cool thing that's to print. Cycle. Well, I mean, it's, they just did the other half. We now have we now have white, red, and blue, actually. Because Spellseeker is the blue one? Yeah. So we could get... Uh, oh, that's a good point. It could be an unfinished cycle. We just need a two three more. A three-drop green is... and a three-drop black tutor? Yeah. So green gets you instant or sorcery. Converted mana costs two or less. Or that's what blue gets you. And the others are power, t power and toughness. Mm -hmm. So what would green? It would have to... It's weird that green wouldn't get you a creature. The other two have already dealt land, with it. Land. Any land puts into play. Fierce Empath is six or six or more. True. I well, that's that that's top end. I mean, then there's Treasure Mage for blue. So I think that would be actually. I think it's 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 Enchantment. Treasure Mage, but you already have Spellseeker, and Spellseeker references a denomination of two. So. Yeah. No, no, no. But that's, that's those, those those are its own thing. I'm saying for green, finding an enchantment for two or less that doesn't exist. And green searching out an enchantment it's would be totally fine. It's on color play. Yeah, it's they, color pie. And then they, and they then green white and the black is anything. You lose life. You lose two life. Yeah. Three mana. A three mana creature. That vampire tutor, tutors. A vamp tutor puts it on top. Yeah. I think it's fine. I'm okay with that. Seems powerful, but it seems Marshall is terrified. <laughs> no, I think if it's a one one for three that you lose two, it puts it on top of your library. Well, it has to be two or less. It still has the the costing. CMC two or less. Yeah. Non land card. Convert a man yeah. to two or less. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. Cool. Sick. Uh, Gavin, right. I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, beyond that. Uh, yeah, you were talking about basically, basically, one thing that's in common with all these sets is that they introduce new cards. New cards into those sets. And and I think that, you know, that's something the modern community has, has talked about forever. Of Can you print cards that aren't in standard into modern directly? Can we get a Force of Will reprint into it? Can we get Counterspell directly put into it? Are there cards that are too powerful for standard by an inch? And Counterspell has been in standard sets. They've talked about how they were close to getting Counterspell into standard over the last three years. Um, and it just is just too powerful enough, which what means it's probably the... power level fine or neutral in modern. What was the last standard printing of Counterspell? Was it in Mercadian Masks? Seventh edition, seventh edition was the last standard. I have standard a foil one. Printing. Signed by Richard Garfield. You have a, a seventh edition foil Counterspell? Mm -hmm. That's so sick. It's on my like, top four cards that I have that are favorites. Because it's like a black border mm -hmm. foil. Time stop with no uh, reminder text. Tenth edition time stop. Sweet. Just you end the turn foil. Yeah. Cool. That one's good too. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah. I think I think then so talking about could that happen in modern? So, you, so I think my question is, do you think it's going to be a challenger style deck? Like, or, or is it? There's two. I think there's two, three successful models. There's the yep. challenger style tournament ready decks. There's the commander style decks that are kind of just challenger decks. They're similar. And then there's um, limited formats, right? So far, those are kind of the most successful uh, extension products that they've released. Um, which one of those do you feel like is most likely a benefit to modern players? So if it's specifically a modern product, which is what I think it is, mm -hmm. you can't make it a modern draft, like, greatest hits, because that's just making modern masters again. Correct. So you can't do that. I think the challenger decks are a cool idea. Um, but the thing about the challenger decks is that if you're introducing new cards, it makes them kind of a weirdly unfair thing because they're introducing a product that's not available in any other way than to buy a hundred or hundred fifty dollar deck to get mm -hmm. those specific cards. Now, if that's the only place they're available, like a hundred or hundred fifty dollar well, product, and there's two tiers to this. There's printing cards that are now legal and modern that had existed before that. So you're so saying like if you put a single force of will into a challenger deck, 
it's now and, legal and modern. And now Force of Will from Eternal Masters or wherever it's from. Eternal Masters, I think. It was the last time it was printed. Uh, that now and the old ones become – but, like, a card that's already $75. Well, that, it doesn't have to be Force of Will. Like, that's an extreme example. Like, Counterspell is a great example. Or like Worldly days. Tutor. Or Days. Days, days yeah. is the one that we've talked about the most yeah. that I think is the most clever that I would I would – I like the way that the interplay of Shocklands and Days interact in Modern. I think that right. that's sure. pretty strong. And I don't strong. think they start with Days. I think there's a ton of safer cards they can just add into Modern. Um, I think something like Days would be an, an interesting option, but like, you Fluss, know. Flusterstorm. Right. Flusterstorm is a great one. Reprint. Um, and so you have these. That's step one, because then it's not unfair. Then it's just like, oh, these cards are legal, and I can get them out of this Challenger deck. The other option is a limited format, where then they can... I don't think you can print new cards into a Challenger-style deck that are legal and modern for what you described. Then it's a tournament staple card. Becomes, and it becomes too hard to get. You're right. I, I think... It becomes Scavenger Goose, what Scavenger Goose was in Legacy when it was just oh, a I mean, Commander Two Name Nemesis is, a, is the correct and one. Both of them. Those are like $30, $40 creatures yeah. that immediately are like printed as... You know, a couple twenty dollar bills. Right, because you had to buy that box set, which was about thirty bucks. Whatever yeah. the cost of the actual boxes is, the cost of one of those cards at that point. So I think at the so end I of the day, so I think it's a limited set with new. I think it's a seven uh, a four ninety nine or three ninety nine limited set. Or how much was how much was unstable for a pack, Marshall? I think it was just four bucks. Yeah, th so three ninety nine pack that has either reprints. I think it is new cards that are in modern. Yeah, I think or challenger decks with reprints. Here's the problem: if it's a limited set like a battle bond, right? Let's let's just say it's a limited set like a battle bond. So so right now, out of battle bond, what is the most sought after tournament card from battle bond that was brand new? Because I know you reprinted true name in that set, and you had I think exploration got a reprint in that set. Uh, you had a you had like a doubling season reprint in that set, maybe. But I'm trying to think: what is the is there is there a card printed in battle bond that was brand new? That became a legacy staple, like like you know your arena rector kind of card. Did they swing for the fences and, and get one? Uh, so Battlebond is a weird space for me because I have never drafted it. I'm just trying to think <laughs> of or conspiracy being the same one. Is like, conspiracy okay. has conspiracy? I can talk to a little bit better. Dakfin was was the first card printed that became a vintage card out of those guys, it, right? Yeah. And until Dakfaden got the reprint, Dakfaden got pretty expensive, right? Uh, regular Dak Faden didn't go over like a normal twenty bucks mythic, or something. Limited in like a small set, probably so like twenty to fifty bucks. Foils were like eight hundred dollars. I remember that. So that that's a different conversation, but I think that's always going to be a but different that's conversation. That's not for gameplay. That's for collectability. So yeah. so I think I think like the reality is, if you're to print some sort of limited draft environment, that is the cards in this draft environment are modern legal. Mm -hmm. if that's what happens. The only thing I would caution against is making a mythic rare. That's a tournament staple that right. you know is going to be of a power level that is a four of index. If you make it a mythic and a limited run, limited set, limited oriented set, I think you're in trouble. I think if you make like a really strong uncommon sideboard card, if you make if, like if they're doing it, if they're pulling the bandaid off on printing new cards directly in the modern that were invented specifically for modern that didn't exist beforehand, it's everywhere. You can't do that without a high as fan. When, for people who don't know, as fan is the like as it's it's. When you open a pack, how often does this type of card show up? This is the biggest thing they've done for Modern since Modern Masters won. Yeah. And – or since this podcast started. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so with that in mind, they're not going to just be like, oh, there's two cards added. It, it's going to be a little bit bigger than that. Now – if it's re reprinting them, yeah, I think you do a library. I think there'll be a mythic. I think there'll be a few mythics, maybe. I think there'll maybe be a cycle yeah. of planeswalkers that are like printed, or you know, my guess is Kaya Ghost uh, Assassin sure, gets sure. printed into that set because she's dope. She's the face of a current standard she's set. She's kind of right on the edge of like modern playable. She's never going to be too good for the format, but she's going to be cool. People yeah. will play People her like that or card. try to play her. Like, uh, yeah, you know, that's agree. the kind of stuff that I think is interesting to see and i think it's if they're going to do it they're going to do it if they, they're not if they're just going to tip their foot in the water then i don't then i think it's like maybe one high profile mythic i think they also could take some cycle of, they could take some of the commander cards that are sweet that they could take some of the commander cards that are sweet that people like that are not modern legal and they could reprint them into the draft environment so that you could now play a few of those cards in modern right and, and i think there's something safe about that as well because the mod at least all of the cards that have existed before have been tested by the gauntlet of legacy and there's a ton of them that haven't even seen close to seeing play like yeah, i like, think printing two name nemesis in the modern is is dumb, dumb. but like printing 
I don't know. There's that one uh, curse that you can put on an opponent, and they take the black one. The yeah. black one. Or... I, I think it'd be cool to see like Doretti Ingenious Iconoclast printed into modern. Like I think that's a great example of a card where it's like that's not that powerful. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's a fun card that does something that we're not used to. I think I can. I'm pretty confident that other than maybe Dak Faden, and I think even Dak Faden would maybe be fine. He might be any dead. any non-standard legal planeswalker they've ever printed is probably fine to put into modern. Yeah, I mean, there's Doretti original is probably the most dangerous. Yeah, I think the I think where you get into trouble is if you start reprinting any of the commander creatures. Because I think a lot of those oh, no, are no, no, no. way specifically powerful. planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, the 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 creature. There's a ton of commander cards I would never put into 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 modern. That think, seems dumb. I think some <laughs> could be sweet. Sure. I'm I'm would not saying you... make all of commander products legal, but I think like how would you feel about Brea being legal in modern? I think that's problematic. Probably just like does too many cool things. It's like it's a four drop. It's a four color four drop. And there are things that make it not too good, but I think it, I think it like. That's a card that is on the edge of this could be the most powerful forge I've ever printed in the format. Why? And then maybe not do yeah. that. Yeah. I love that card. I would play the crap out of that card in modern. Uh, all right, guys. Moving on from uh, the discussion of a new modern product. We're definitely excited about it. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, we are definitely hoping that if that gets announced, um, we will get a preview card to talk about. <laughs> multiple people in the chat um, have mentioned also that right now is actually, for the challenger side of things, a perfect time to print them because shocks are all around $5. So you can lean really heavy in the shocks, maybe... And then, you know, no, no fetch lands, but, like, that's enough of a kind of a land mana base to be able to get a, away with, like, especially something like Scape Shift. I don't know if Shocks are ever going to be worth anything ever again. They were already so on. They never really went back up. They all, like, they got up to, like, one of them got up to, like, 17 maybe was the mm -hmm. highest, like, a Steam Vents. But a lot of them Not were, like, $9. Yeah. So, like, now with another printing into the ground, I feel like Shocks are going to be under $10 forever. Yeah, but there's a few now that are still already over 10 Oh, really? Yeah, I think, okay. I think Steam Vents is still doing well oh, gotcha. because... It's a good, like, right now, so much of their value is also associated with standard. And with this new influx of players, there's a ton of new arena guy people that are coming into the format that want to play standard and don't have and any need, shots. And need to go get four of. And they need to get four of. So, I mean, like, right now, my biggest complaint with arena, over any complaint across the board, is that getting lands takes rare slots. Like, it, it, the fact that there are a ton of decks I can't play because I have to waste my rare wild cards. I have, like, 12 to 20 mythic wild cards and zero gold rare ones because lands are – I have to buy them. So you've played a good amount of Arena. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine some of the cards that are showing up in Arena – Segway! Uh, that, are, that, are, <laughs> that are, like, making an impact, I definitely feel like are making a bit of an impact in Modern. Like, not all of the cards, but there's yep. definitely some sweet ones. So, like – uh, we read this article written by Emma Handy about sideboards and the difference in those those decks and sideboards mm -hmm. now versus uh, the before and after the banning of, of KCI. Uh, less of a segue, um, yeah. And some of the cards that I want to talk about are cards that are showing up now in deck lists now that the format's a little different. So the banning of Kirkland Ironworks a few weeks ago has definitely opened up the format. Right. And specifically, let's start talking with, about this mono red deck. Um, the mono red decks are playing two different Ravnica Allegiant cards as four ofs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is pretty massive. You know, we're seeing skewer the critics and light up the stage. Mm -hmm. Have you played either of these in Arena? Not Arena. I haven't played Arena since Allegiance came out. I have uh, okay, been it. playing Kingdom Hearts and uh, Resident Evil 2. And but, Clash uh, Royale. Uh, uh, no, Brawl Stars. Uh, are you playing Brawl Stars now? I'm on both. Fair. I'm on the Supercell train. Uh, but back to Magic conversation. Uh, I have, I mean, I've been paying attention to it. And obviously, what, what's really interesting about it is that how those two cards can lower the curve of those burn decks so that um, not only can they play less lands, but even um, what's it called is becoming bad. Um, yeah, uh, Adelon Adelon of Rebel. Rebel. Yeah, I mean, you, can, sh good. you can shave down to like 18 lands, mm -hmm. um, 18, 19 lands in burn because you are now playing two more one drops. And, and that those burn decks, often the way that you'll beat those decks, if they get a good start on you, is their hand will just have a glut of two drops. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's not, if they stall out on three lands or something like that, it's just not that convenient for them to go through two drop after two drop right. against you. And so the fact that now you've got, and I remember when we were in Hong Kong talking about as these spoilers were coming out, I definitely pointed out to you Light Up the Stage. That was, that was a card that I was like, this is crazy. And you're like, why? And I was like, I'll tell you exactly why. It's because you get to the end of next turn, which means even if you hit two lands. Well, I mean, I recognize that at the time, but sure, yeah, continue. Well, no, because it's, it's weirdly worded. It's a surprising wording on that card. Sure. That you can hit, you can exile two. So for those of you that don't know what it is, it's going to be up on the screen, but it's a card for red two. It's a sorcery. Exile the top two cards of your library until your neck, the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. For spectacle, you can play it for one red if you've dealt damage to your opponent this turn, which means... 
you lightning bolt your opponent for one red, you play the card, it exiles the top two. If you hit mountain, mountain, you play a mountain this turn and you play a mountain next turn. That's the worst case scenario. You just clear two lands and play them both. You almost can't lose when you play this card. Like, mm -hmm. it's so good. This is one of the best red draw spells probably ever printed. Faithless Looting is the best red draw spell ever printed, right? Yeah. This is number two? Time will tell. I mean, it's really good. It's really like, good. Yeah. So that's the first card. And you're seeing that show up as a four of that kind of lowers the curve in these red decks. The second card is Skewer the Critics, which is a little more simple. It's the same card. Now, is Skewer the Critics an instant of sorcery? I don't have it in front of me. Okay, it's a sorcery speed lightning bolt, so it's more like a chain lightning. Same deal. Red and two, and for Spectral, you can play it for one red. So now you have four more lightning bolts in the deck. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, you get to lower the curve of your deck drastically. Well, yeah, and, and the Emmy hand Handy article, she kind of breaks down a little bit on this as well. But, you know, to summarize some of it, uh, you know, you really do have an option to, like, Burns, one of Burns' biggest weaknesses and one of the way main ways it loses is just like, oh, my whole hand is two drops. And these both make it so that's just less likely to happen and you have more kind of consistent play and be able to play two spells a turn and keep yourself above life from what your opponent's doing. Um, and it just really helps you kind of win it back. And then the draw spell, obviously, adding a draw spell to burn that is on theme with them is probably very good for them. Yeah, like it's, I mean, because like here's what I can think of, like the whole like one for two. So let's take, Sign and Blood, Knight's Whisper is good examples of cards that have a sort of a similar effect. They're, they're one or two mana, they draw two cards. They kind of accelerate you. You're, you know, you're trading one for two. The difference between this costing one mana and costing two mana is so significant. And Knight's Whisper is already a good card. That card's already fringe playable. Like I've played Knight's Whisper in decks before. The fact that you're able to draw two cards for one red is specific and unique to this deck. The fact that you're always going to have red mana for it. Right. Um, I'll be curious to see when this starts to show up in other decks that aren't just mono red because I think it's a much better card than. I think I think red mono red the red white is not that far off from each other. I mean yeah. I think they both kind of can, like being red white as far as a mana base go is not that much more difficult than just being mono red. And it's just the reason the, the argument is like do you need it? And yeah. like the red white cards are more powerful, but by being mono red you have more life. And which which one is the better payoff? Yeah. So other cards that are starting to make an impact in this post post banning world uh, electro dominance you've got the uh, the electro dominance deck that's playing you know living in and ancestral vision that's a pretty cool deck pretty cool card i know when you and i talked about the format trying to figure out what we thought the most powerful card was going to be this was on definitely both of our lists right um i from the very beginning the fact that you can cast ancestral visions is like the first thing i noticed you can do with this card how do you feel about it when they when they do something like this when they take a card that because there was a there was a red red x instant right was it volcanic geyser the card and that's an uncommon in most limited formats like i've seen that printed a bunch of times mm -hmm. so when they take that card and they're just like we're gonna just make the rare version that's way way better mm -hmm. like it's all you know that there's like an internal conversation that happens at wizards where someone says is this okay can we just push this we want to make this a splashy card we're gonna make it strictly better than this other one do you like when they do that sort of sort of thing yeah just because it's pushing the power level it's fun especially when it's creative ways that does something different like if this was like red red x do x damage times two i maybe wouldn't like it as much yeah, but like right. red red x this is a cool thing you can do and in standard it's gonna probably not do very much at worst it's kind of like a blood braid l for a what's a face hydra um that like let you get double value off of those things or um the the shrant the expertise is also a similar card yeah, space right. as this um and people have played i've seen lists for this card that are playing some of the expertise as your electro dominance and as for tolds 9 10 11 and 12 uh well right because this this list that we were looking at here is playing four electro dominance four as for told and uh the black one right because it's a board oh no 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 it's the Maybe it's just those two. No, just those two. I've seen ones that are playing black okay. that are playing for the black one because it's a it's a board wipe minus three minus three to all creatures. So it's like a card that is good against bad matchups, and then a card that's good in this situation. Yeah, Sram's um, Sram's expertise. Sram's expertise. No, 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 no. Sram's is you get three one. Yeah, Heenies. There you go. Yeah, Heenies expertise. Yeah. The black one. Yeah. yeah. I have played all of the expertises because I took a deck, well, an expertise deck to a GP once. Yeah, there you go. That so this is sweet. the better card for that than yeah, probably those. For um, sure. So yeah, and and like it, it, the things that really being paying attention to with because like right now the easiest one to go through because this deck has already been proven to be good in the past, um, has won a GP before I believe, um, is the Living End version, and that one. What this does is it allows you to kind of play, instead of playing a weird cascade game plan that limits what kind of cards you can cast, with As Foretold and this card, um, you're able to just play good cards now. 
because like all like all the counter spells you want, any removal spells you want, and like blue red with um, what was the set with the cycling cards, the Egyptian themed one? Amonkhet. Amonkhet coming out. They added a bunch of really powerful blue and red um, cycle cards that before you had to be in black or green and, and use some of the ones from um, Shards of Valara block. Now with the fact that you get these blue ones, and some of them are just good cards on their own. So that Phoenix that just is like a 4-4-4-4 four, 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 four that yeah. scries every turn. Like uh, I would take that over any – like that's a card that I would just play. That card's sweet. It doesn't I, do that exactly. It's every time you cycle – at the be- you're talking about the four 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 four. Yeah. You scry at the beginning of your turn if it's an opening hand. That card. No 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 no. You're talking about the curator of mysteries. You one blue. You cycle it. Yeah, curator yeah, yeah. mysteries. What does it do? I think it's like one it blue has, for. It has one blue to cycle it, and has whenever you cycle or discard a card, scry one. Yeah, whenever you cycle or discard a card, scry one. It cycles for one blue, and it's a four four flying sphinx for four. Um, any thoughts in the chat on cards that they're seeing affect modern that they want to talk about? Yeah. Um. Uh. Who, uh, who was the commenter who said that? Was Bob Loeb. Bob Loeb has a question about Vanifar, uh, Prime Speaker Vanifar. Um, Alex, how, how do you feel about like We talked a lot about this card when we saw the preview again. We were in Hong Kong together. Uh, the, the viability oh, the, the pod one. Yeah. The viability um, of a pod deck in modern right now. I think it takes time. I think like Birthing Pod was the best deck in modern from the beginning of modern, but took two years for anyone to actually figure it out because getting the list right and getting it working and getting good at it, like it's such a hard deck to play correctly because you really need to know every single card in your deck, exactly what your opponent is doing. Every card like it's it's such a deep card and dive to get into. And this card is easier to get rid of. It is less fast than Pod is, but it also, on the same time, is a creature, so there's more cute things you could do with it. So, will this show up as a deck in Modern? Absolutely. How long it's going to take? Give me, I'll say, like a year. By the end of this year, we'll start seeing some Vanifar decks, and maybe way earlier is possible. I think but probably earlier. It's a pretty unique effect. Sure. Um, that would be my guess. It's not a unique effect. There's at least one other card that does it. Yeah, it's just banned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another uh, card that people are playing with right now is Deputy of Detention. Um, Deputy of Detention is one of them, and another one— It's not one, a human, though, right? Or it is a human. No. It's a—thank God. Yeah. Can and we then, just erase the human creature type? Well, and then you have also—what's her name? Uh, Livana. Lavinia. Lavinia, yeah, the new the new— the new bear. Yep. Yeah, um, so, I mean, these are cards that I, that are starting to show up, at least in lists, a little bit. And other cards that on the chat that people ask, want, someone wanted to know if Dovin has any legs, so the new Planeswalker. Uh, I love that card. I haven't seen it show I up. I have not it. seen it show up anywhere, but also right now, this is the worst time to play control decks. Like, it, my favorite story of all PTQ world is that I was getting really good finishes playing blue-white control with, like, we, a weird brew that had Teleria West and Jason it and uh, was getting, like, cycling through um, Engineer Explosives with Academy Ruins. Yeah. And then was playing four Wall of Omens in Bloodbraid Elf Junt era. The first time it was good. And was getting, you know, generally in top 20s at PTQs for that season. And then it got banned. And immediately I couldn't win a game. Because... Control decks want to know what the format's going to look like, and we're walking into a format that literally can be different every day. And right now, the big thing is that people's sideboards are now so much different than they were before KCI was banned. Yeah. That, like, this week, Judge could be good, and then the following week, Judge will be bad because people are playing Artifact Hate. We don't know what the best strategy to be hating on is right now. The good players had so much peripheral Artifact Hate packed into their boards. Mm -hmm. It was so focused because the hardest deck to interact with with a good player was Kirkland Ironworks. It was so good. So now people are able to spread their sideboards back out. Because of that, you're able to kind of play these somewhat non-interactive strategies that are very streamlined. But at the same time, like, you know, the reason KCI was what it was in the format is it made decks bad. And those decks are now no longer bad in the format because there's no longer this yes. big bad that hated it out. So now the format is much more diverse, which, A, puts control in its worst position, even though it had a bad KCI matchup before. And then on top of that, like, if I'm a control deck, I want to know, oh, Dredge is 10% of the metagame. Yeah. I, if there was a modern GP next weekend and I was attending it, I wouldn't know how good Dredge is. Good. Like, I don't know how what the right. dominance of Dredge is. I, like, if I'm a – I would play mono – Affinity all day long if I like could because like everyone's gonna be like oh at KCI's and I don't need twelve things of graveyard yeah. uh, artifact hand I'm gonna be like well here's my like hardened scales deck or something like that flying ornithopter with thirty counters on it and you sweet. don't have ancient grudges anymore so good game um, any other any other cards people wanted to talk about wilderness reclamation ah people are yeah making comments about wilderness reclamation um, 
this is a card that strikes me as an Alex Kessler card. This feels like a card you would like. You want tap, and then you don't have you can't do anything because <laughs> you have cryptic command open. Yeah, it is expensive, but I mean the fact that you just like sorcery speed oh, resolve it—it's free. Can't be more expensive. Can't be cheaper than that. <laughs> and it's also not a creature, which makes it harder for yeah. people to interact with it unless they have a counterspell. I mean, like look at Teferi, right? Like Teferi was a five mana card. So that is expensive, but because it lets you untap two lands, it's really a three-mana card that also plays in a way that makes it so counter magic is good. So Reclamation, like, I, I would love to be looking at playing a Taking Turns deck right now in Modern, like a blue-green where you're playing this card as a way to, A, ramp into some of your more expensive Taking Turns cards, because there are expensive ones, and B, being able to just, like, mono cryptic command and douse, what's the, not replicate, dowsing blue and then you can tap blue as many times as you want and then you tap that many permanents giga drows giga drows like just mono giga drowsing and cryptic commanding my opponents out of a game like what how would but how does wilderness reclamation allow you to ramp into cards because uh it untaps at the end of your turn so if you have an instant speed spell you can tap your lands in response to wilderness reclamation it lets you untap your lands you can tap them again that's how they're casting that take an extra turn thing on turn four or turn but, five but they have to be instants they have to be instants got or it have or have flash <laughs> okay, gotcha. So that's what we're doing. Okay, that, so that's interesting. So another card, another card so it's that like, we... it's both a insane ramp spell for expensive blue spells or yeah. spells. What's the red wet? What's or Sphinx's Revelation is a great example. Like being able to Sphinx's Rev for five plus on yeah. turn five is like, and then Crypt really? to Command the turn before that. Like I don't know how you beat that. It's really good. I think you lose. I think that's well. I know you beat it, but it involves like. Uh, prized Amalgrams and Arclight <laughs> Phoenixes and other free four Your favorite things to talk about. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so other things that I want to talk about today on the show, um, talking about cards that are making an impact, we have speculated a little bit about the impact that Simic Ascendancy was going to have. We didn't necessarily think that that was going to be a tier one strategy or necessarily was going to be the biggest card, but I know we both had some interest in it after watching its actual viability at the, at the at the uh, pre-release weekend, like well, people were playing it, it was seemed to be very good. The best alternate win condition cards, and we're going to talk about a lot of them right now, and almost none of them are true of this sentence. Is best are cards that do a thing that's decent or good, and then can accidentally also win you the win game. the game. And right. I think Simic Ascendancy is the best of all of these cards at that because the card of green green put a bunch of plus one plus one counters on target creatures and. And, like, is – if that is fine enough or if you can play just, like, a one of those in a deck that makes it worth doing, the second half of it is just, like, an alternative combo wheel that goes off. It's, like, surprising to – if you get this permanent down early, a lot of the matchups in Modern, the way that having, like, just making your land drops, having mana open and creatures – how much this can screw with your opponents. Mm -hmm. Like, everything from combat math to being able to respond to a lightning bolt to, like, getting around, a, you know, anger of the gods type of thing. Like, it's just good. And mm -hmm. it's an enchantment, so when they wrath or something like that, you don't lose it. It just makes all your draws later in the game strong. So it's interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about alternate win conditions here and, and sort of the different the different good ones in modern or how you use the word so, good. So we have, we have a top ten list, but we're not going to rank it. We're just going to go through ten of them because they're all... Uh, there is a number one. There is a. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just There's talk about one. It. There's only one here that has ever performed well, and we're gonna uh, go through a lot of them. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind everybody here: um, we do have a Facebook group, and that Facebook group is moderated by a wonderful group of people. Yeah. So so uh, after a long time, we finally hit around five thousand people in the Facebook group, and we figured it was time. And there's some some drama that happened last week that we wanted to make sure that we had a little bit more people that had eyes on what's going on in the group, so that doesn't. Uh, break down upon itself yeah. and become an unhappy place for people to interact with. And so we've now added a bunch of new uh, moderators. Um, obviously, me and Ben are there. Hagen Kirk is still there. He's been moderating for a long time. He also does big modern data dumps every Monday. So if you're in yeah. the group, he can give, he'll like post a big list of how all of the modern decks are doing right now. And like, if you really like statistics, he's very helpful for that. Um, and then Michael Grothy uh, was added. Uh, guest host guest of the, the cast, uh, Frequent contributor just in general to Master yep, of the Modern yep. um, and friend. And then we've added uh, some more people, Aaron Scott, um, Austin Cook, and Shoshi Hope. Shoshi Hope. Shoshi Hope. And you guys may have seen Shoshi at events before. She cosplays as Liliana. Yep. She's great. Um, so Austin Cook is actually a werewolf. Really? Yeah. In, like, there, real life. Is there an Austin Cook, the character that's a werewolf that I don't no, know? No, no, I met him. Well, we, we met for the first time at Gen Con, and we hung out for a little trip. We and played you World played the whole werewolf? time. Yeah. I see. You yeah, were a yeah. werewolf. It's a great game. 
Uh, so, if anyone wants to play Werewolf at GPLA, I would absolutely love to host and, that. And be sure to stay tuned in the Facebook group and our Twitter. We're talking about doing some sort of cool GPLA thing like we did the last one, and we want to make sure you guys all know about it. We'll decide ahead of time enough that you guys will have some time to make your plans and make sure you can be available. If, uh, if so, last time we had like 24 people participate in this crazy chaos draft, and it was so much fun. Everybody had a great time. So, so if KCI uh, Band of Spirits just the best deck in the format, no. <laughs> no, but Spirits is sweet. I, I think I think that Spirits has a worse matchup against the world of super linear, not knowing what's going on format, and then you add that to the fact that Burn just got a lot better. I don't think Spirits is good against Burn. Burn's faster right. than Spirits. Um, so yeah, game? not really. Yeah, cool. Um, so right. let's talk about some alt win conditions. Um, we talked Simic Ascendancy, though. You know, we do have theories that that card could go into some sort of hardened scales type of deck and i think that there's poss possibly even some sort of like just like a graft style deck you could play that's pretty cool but uh that's not really the point we want to talk about ones that we think you guys aren't paying Sorry, attention buddy. to because in a new modern format with a big banning there are ways to try to go over the top and discover something that no one else is doing and some of these cards i'm not saying we have a great build for any of them but some of these cards have a shot so we're going to start with this guy so many shots. Bio-visionary. <laughs> Look at all the shots he has. Oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, Isn't there a new card printed, though, that's maybe decent? Oh, the, there's a Simic card. There's a Simic clone and removal spell or something. Uh, no, it's just a clone, and then it... Uh, no, no, no. It, uh, front end is Stifle. You can stifle things. Like a two-mana stifle? It's a two-mana stifle hybrid. Blue, and blue, green, back green. end is and a four-mana clone, clone. three-mana clone? Hey, that's... 100% better than this deck was an hour ago. I think actually just <laughs> trying to like manually copy your Biovisionary is not the way to win with this card. I've never felt that. I've always felt the best way to try to win with Biovisionary is to play a bunch of creatures and a Mirror Weave. That's, that's what I had tried to How do. How much does Mirror Weave cost? Four. It's an instant. Okay. So years ago, I had tried to build this deck. I tried to build like some sort of Biovisionary Fairies hybrid mm -hmm. because everything has flash. Mm -hmm. So you're just like flashing in your spell stutter sprites and your Scion of Unas, and you could just like win the game by beating down, you know, Bitter Blossom or whatever. And then end of turn, or, or I guess, so, so clarify if this works for me. This trigger, at the so Biovisionary is green-blue one for a 2-3 human wizard. At the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures named Biovisionary, you win the game. So if you're to Mirror Weave and make all creatures on the battlefield into Biovisionaries. If your opponent has... No, you don't get it. They don't get it. Because active player? It's the beginning of the end, oh, of the end step, not your end step. So if you play it, it resolves mm -hmm. whose creatures become Biovisionary. So yours get put on the stack first and then theirs, right? So it's they win. Is that true? Yeah. If, 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 if I have four Biovisionaries and you have four Biovisionaries, or Ben has four Biovisionaries and it's my turn and I put Biovisionary in the stack. So they, uh, would, so they would win. So you would have to do it at the end of their turn. Well, no, but th that's, that's, that's assuming you would need to have another card. So I'm saying if you have four and they have four, at the end of their turn, you would turn all, all creatures into Biovisionaries and you would win? Someone is 10-0 burn, with Burn against Spirits. Sorry, back to this That seems strong. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that is true, correct? You would, if you Mirror Weave during their turn, at the end of their turn, you would win because they're active player? I have no idea. Both of these cards are bad. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's always been the way that I assumed the coolest way to win with the Biovisionary was. The other way to do it would be some sort of, like, right of replication. I think the problem with Biovisionary is that it's a 2-3-3 three, three that doesn't do anything when you cast it. <laughs> well, yeah, but it can win the game. <laughs> doesn't do anything when you said, cast it. Said Bateman about every card on this list. <laughs> you know what can win you the game? A uh, Flying Man, a 1-1-for-1. Yeah. One, one one. You really don't have any faith in Biovisionary? Okay, fine. We can move on. I think, I think on this list, it is in the top five cards to maybe win a game. Do you know what card, you know what creature type uh, it that's is? That's true. What, it's a human wizard. It's a wizard. Do you know that Modern has a wizard cycler called Vidalcan Aethermage? I'm going to move on with my life. Instant speed. <laughs> uh, you know what? It is also a wizard and is uh, the best card on this list yeah. by such a wide margin <laughs> uh, is Laboratory Maniac. Do you yes. want a blue? If, you're, if you would draw a card, well, if you were to lose to Mill, you win. Let's explain action with this is because it, this one's It's important. a 2-2 two, two for 3. Future human wizard. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. So the premise here is that Ad Nauseam is able to create a situation between Ad Nauseam and Phyrexian Unlife that you can draw your entire deck, mm -hmm. have no cards in your library, mm -hmm. uh, and then through means of mana filtering and simian spirit guides and things, you can cast Laboratory Maniac. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that, though, is you still have to let your opponent untap, right? You don't... Why? You just draw a card. 
Just cause yourself the draw card. It's not your upkeep. It's not an upkeep. It's not a draw step. So it's you just, cast if you draw it. a card after this is in play, you win. So you, How have to, do you, so you have to have the mana to draw a card off a cantrip. Or you cast another. Yeah, there's like eight ways the deck has to kind of make it happen. And so this is this is something people actually do. This is an alternative win condition. Correct. And also like dredge plays, I think one of these sometimes in the sideboard as ways to get around control yep. mirrors or whatever. Like there's different versions of this card doing well. And there will be more because there are more ways. Like it's much easier to get all of the cards out of your graveyard and have this in play than other things that exist. Have you ever lost to a laboratory man? I'm not actually in modern, nor have I. Uh, okay. Every time I played against Ad Nauseam, they won with Lightning Storm, and I, yeah. st I still lose that deck That's when that happens. How I lose but when I play uh, against that deck. so Lad Maniac is rare. Our friend Paul has tried. I play a lot of spot removal in my life. I'm a big fan of paths and lightning bolts, yep. and normally those kill laboratory maniacs pretty fair, good. Fair. Next card is Mechanized Production. Two blue, blue, Enchantment Aura, Enchanted Artifact you control. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of Enchanted Artifact. Then if you control eight or more artifacts, win with the same name as one another, you win the game. Now, there's two reasons this card is good. One, it just wins. Right. Oh, no, you have to, it has to be the beginning of your upkeep. So you have to survive an upkeep. It goes into an artifact, which can often be something that survives for a turn because it's hard to remove. I mean, it makes tokens. It's doing something proactive. Mm -hmm. um, you can play it and just it be good. Yeah, like you could just play this on a mirror superior and be happy. Right? <laughs> That's a thing you could do. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be happy. <laughs> I would be personally thrilled if we did that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, you'll, you'll definitely play this on a mirror superior and be happy. You will lose. <laughs> you get two mirror superiors in a turn. On your next turn. That's amazing. It's a four mana, five, six. Ugh. I feel like that's... A delayed turn. I can play Tarmogoyf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, but yeah, I think you, what you were saying a second ago is that this was, this was a thing in standard because of the treasures and the clues and things that people were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do something similar in modern. I think there's a lot of tokens that you can create. So, like, for instance, um, uh, uh, Hangerback Walker... Or anything like that that you're making a lot of tokens that you already want to have, like a Thopter. Like yeah. I think there's different ones. Do Thopters have names though? They're all called Thopters. They're all, all they are all called Thopter. Thopters. So servos are called servos. Cool. So yeah. So you just gotta pick a token theme with artifacts. If you're already playing that deck, this in your sideboard and your main deck can just win the game. I think this is one of the like. I would say, looking at all the cards here, second best card on this list. Well, yeah, you can actually do something cool with it. So I, I think, you know, I, I could see building like a, what does a servo, servo schematic makes servos? Mm -hmm. I wonder if I've, like a servo schematic style deck making a bunch of servos could be a thing. Some sort of looping artifact deck. I think for servos, would be the deck we have to go back to Kaladesh. There's so many... Th Thopters. There's so many Thopters yeah. out there. There's so much treasure token counter makers out there. And, and treasure tokens, as we'll get to another card later, are... Something they want to make more of. There's treasure tokens in the Ravnica sets. The Orzov, one of the Orzov cards makes a treasure token. Interesting, so, okay. Um, the fact that we're going to continue with treasure tokens being a thing that gets printed makes it more and more likely that this gets good. Same as Thopter tokens. Like, both yep. of those show up everywhere. Um, and then last but not least, I think that clues are already kind of good. And Clue was such a... Uh, investigate was such a beloved mechanic from that block that, like, I think that also has a high potential to come back. Yeah, that's fair. Next up. Next Devil up. Riches, nope. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. There you go. Th a Thopter Sword deck. That's a good way. Though you're probably, if you get to eight tokens, you're probably winning anyway. Maybe. Probably. If you if you're able to get to eight tokens, and you have both in play. I've 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 played against decks where getting to ten tokens that fly is good, but not necessarily a win. A game win. Okay. But yeah, you're not wrong. Um, next up, we have Battle of Wits. Blue, blue, three enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have 200 or more cards in your library, you win the game. This is a card people have tried to play with for years in multiple formats. And people have taken this to tournaments. I've played against Battle of Wits players. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a meme deck, but it is also probably... I would say this is the third best card, if not the second best card on this list, in the sense that it's just like... People will play it. It does win the game. The limitation gets easier and easier to deal with the more and more cards they print into the world because every tutor they print or every way they have to search for a card, this gets better and better. Um, I, the deck is really fun. I've like gotten a chance to pilot different versions of it, and I think the people will always try and break it. And I can see this being a thing. The moment Battle of Wits becomes anything better than Tier 4 is the moment it might get banned, though. Because it's just too easy. Because it's just not requiring you to do almost anything other than just play a lot of good cards. No. Oh, because it's too big. Because shuffling, shuffling Battle of Wits decks is, is unsustainable for a tournament where it is played in any significant amount. 
That's fair. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. So, um, so the Battle of Wits decks are—they always end up just feeling like big, good stuff control decks with a ton of tutors. Mm-hmm. That's what they always are, and, and that's kind of what they have to be. So, which is fine. I, I love yeah. that. I love that it exists. I just think that if this becomes anything close to tier one, it gets banned immediately. Yep. Same reason, like that top is banned or eggs was banned. It's just a tournament can't handle Battle of Wits. Fair. Um. Next is, and I have taken this to a PTQ at least, and a GP, I think. Uh, door to Nothingness. Five mana when Door to Nothingness enters the battlefield. Tapped. It's and an artifact. And Wooberg times two. Tap. Sacrifice it. Target player loses the game. So Wooberg is white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green, is what he meant by Wooberg times two. I didn't used to know what Wooberg was. I learned it once on a show. I think I learned it on game nights. Wooberg? They said it, and I didn't know what it was. Oh. That w- was embarrassed. Yeah, you're just... Uh, it's the colors. Yeah, I had no magic. idea. So, how do you win with this? What do you do? Uh, you play it. Well, I realized that. With a lot of mana. But, like, what's the... St- in modern, what would you play? You so, would- the place that I s- last saw it, see, the most place was Omnidor th- Omnithragdor decks back in Standard. Last time, sure. we had Checklands and Fetchlands in the same format together, where you would, like, Omniscience this into play, and then you would have the mana because you were far-seeking all game, and Snapcastering Mages far-seeking, and then you could play this, and then have a Fog open to Fog, so you can untap with it and win. Um it, Am I incorrect it, in thinking that this card paired with Wilderness Reclamation is not just insane? Uh, this and Wilderness Reclamation could be very good together. You have to still get all five colors of mana into play, which is easier in modern than any format other than Legacy. That doesn't feel hard in modern at all. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it, it doesn't untap this guy. But you can play this, have your mana untap to Cryptic your next turn, and then, and then you tap all the mana to tap it to kill your opponent. What about Amulet? He's just going to say, permanence that end the battlefield tapped. Amulet does let this come into play untapped, but I don't think you need to. I think if you're playing this with Reclamation, you play Reclamation, you play this, you untap, you have counter magic, because what else are you doing here? And then on your next turn, you just win. Hmm. Interesting. I like I like that idea. I think that this card is cool. Uh, I think, obviously, it's pretty easy to execute. This is probably one of the better ones, now that I think about it. Like, a lot of ramp, things that double your mana, there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, this is a one of card that there are a lot of things that you can just include this with. Uh, yeah. you, it, you, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through, and I would want that deck to be good otherwise. Mm. But if this is what you're doing, the, the question is, is, is there a better use of 10 mana of every color? Because pro- I think pro- there probably, probably is, is, like, yeah. <laughs> an El, all of the Eldrazi. Just getting to 10 and just casting. Oh, it is instant speed. So the fact that you can play with Wild Reclamation is the most interesting thing that has been said in this episode about talking about all of these cards. Yeah. <laughs> Wilderness that is the first time we have said something that was like, yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah. Wilderness Reclamation. You heard it here first, guys. Yeah, I already talked about it. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I'm so excited for the next card on the list. I'm so excited. This <laughs> card, I will admit that I've lost to the card that we're about to see more than any other card on this, on list, this list combined. Yeah. Combined. Uh, the card which is, I hate. <laughs> the card is near-death experience. White, 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 two enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have exactly one life, you win the game. The fact that this card is still valued only at 54 cents is absurd. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's, it's correct. <laughs> uh, I play this card in Highlander Roulette, and I stubbornly play it in my like Esper control deck with all the good tutors, and I refuse to get rid of it because I want to win with it. I've seen someone do this before in Modern. I've seen there was a streamer who was building a deck around this card. It's easier than you think. Now, in Highland... It's, sorry, sorry. In Modern, it's a little tougher because Lightning Bolt is such a prominent card, mm-hmm. and by the time you would get to a game state where you would play this and try to win... Very often, you would just get burned out as the trip. But the, the, if you guys don't understand and, and how it you, works. To give you a little bit of a breakdown of what the metagame for this format that we play a lot of, but no one else on the planet does, uh, it is a format that is singleton among six decks. And because of that, burn removal spells are bad for two reasons. One, because you generally don't have the frequency of cards to be able to to have them regularly. Like, there's one lightning bolt over six cards, and there's only that ma- so many instant speed. Most people, um, yeah, most people just play a burn, burn spells. Deck. And then there is one person who's a burn deck that has all of them in there. Normally is a deck that would, would exist, so then those are all in that deck. That's, that's one issue. The other issue is that um, you have the fact that most creatures in the format are big or problematic. So, yeah. So, yeah, the, the way this works, if you guys are wondering, is like a lot of these. The trigger goes on the stack every upkeep, and if you don't have one life, you don't win the game. Which means if you have any instant speed way to pay down to one life and a way to interact with your opponent, let's say it's a Thought Seize or a, let's say it's a Counterspell, any way to make sure you don't die when they try to interact with you, 
you can pay instant speed down to one with the trigger on the stack and win the game. But you don't have to like do it the turn before and be at exactly one when it goes off. You can pay down to one exactly in response. So take a card like Plunge into Darkness, which is one black, one colorless, instant. Look at the top X cards of your library. Uh, put one in your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library, and you can pay X life to do it. Instant speed for two mana, you can just pay down to one. Look at the top X cards of your library, and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a... Uh, that's the thing. Uh, Near Death is, is not a modern level card, but Near Death is a really cool card, and I do think that I do think there's probably a metagame that will exist at some point in modern where somebody could like spike a tournament with this card. Yeah, I think I think someone might win a tournament with this card. It'll be like a FNM or a Thursday Night Magic. But we should <laughs> GPLA. Now I remembered this morning that I promised you and Alex, you the viewers, and Alex, my co-host, that you'll take a real deck that at I GPLA. Would play a real deck at GPLA. <laughs> I I promised. And this was, this was a month ago, and I thought about it in the shower this morning. For some reason, it came into mind, and I was so upset when I realized I had said it because GPLA is getting close, and I was getting so excited about all the things I could play. And I was like, none of those are real decks, not even close to being real decks. So uh, I'm going to quickly apologize. There is construction happening in our offices that will eventually lead to us having even a nicer studio space. Uh, first step is uh, doing a bathroom. So there is some sounds you might be hearing in the background. We are almost done, so we're just going to wrap up soon, and we're going to go through these last two cards and then end the episode, and you'll just there'll be some hammer and sawing in the background at the beginning of this episode. Sweet. Uh, next card we've talked about a few times is Rebel the Riches. Uh, when a creature an opponent controls dies, create a colorless treasure at artifact token with sacrifice this to add any mana to your color to your mana pool. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more treasures, you win the game. Now, the first half of this card is kind of just an almost playable card effect. Like, it's yeah. something that I would even think about doing. The back end of this card, there were enough treasure cards out there to be able to get to that number of treasures. Yeah. And this is, I believe, the card Marshall was talking about, about Door of the Nothingness, which just does also let you get, if you can get a bunch of treasure in the play, you can get all the colors of mana. It wasn't what he was thinking about. I was thinking of Mazes End. Oh, he was thinking about Mazes End. Oh a different card we'll be goodness. talking about. Which Spoilers. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Watch play Amulet. So... We're just gonna play a deck with all of the all oh you win conditions. God. <laughs> I know what I'm. I know what I'm playing at GPLA. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God. I think you could play of the cards in here. <laughs> Uh, Lab Maniac, Biovisionary, and Simic Sins. You don't work. Space, it's a Battle of Wits deck. Yeah. Mechanized Production, <laughs> Battle of Wits, Door to Nothingness, Near Death Experience, Rebel Riches, Approach of the Sun, and Mazes, and all do fit. In we didn't the talk same about Approach of the Sun. We, did, we didn't deck. talk about Approach of the Second Sun. Because that's next. Oh, you said two more cards. I was confused. I meant um, three. Yes, okay. I lied to you. So, yeah, Rebel. Two more after the card we were on, which is Rebel the We'll Riches. end with Mazes, and we mentioned it. I think this and Approach of the Second Sun, just because they're both recent alt win conditions in standard. And we don't have to break down thoroughly. Also, they're not sighing right now, but we can. Like, this is obviously pretty cool like the fact that one of your you can kill all your creatures opponent opponent's creatures if there's ever a deck that has like they take a bunch of turns of sacrificing creatures to go off maybe a birthing pod deck like deck mm -hmm. uh this being in play is just going to be harder for them to beat um yeah and and it's, it's black like you can damnation alongside it and like wrath a bunch of creatures mm -hmm. and stuff like that so. so there's a version of this deck that we're describing where you win with a mechanized production where you never get to the mana you need to play door the nothingness <laughs> but you just copy enough of them that you win <laughs> <laughs> you win with eight door to nothingnesses? But no, not the man of the play it. would be great. <laughs> Living the dream. Uh, next is the approach of the second sun. This is another one of the ones that's just really good. Uh, it's a card that gains you seven life when you cast it. And then also if you cast it twice, you win. Correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's just fine. People have played this in standard a lot. This was like I think a people, real... people play this in modern. I've like seen people win with this in modern. Like just in a control deck that you're just... Like, it's a good win con. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, a pretty I, easy. It's hard to deal with. I don't totally believe that a seven mana sorcery in modern is like the way to win. Just like there's. Well, but I've, you've seen like people play Sphinx's Revelation. People there. There are decks out there, control decks specifically, that play one of hard to deal with threat that you are going to have to beat. Otherwise, I win. And this doesn't have a thing on play. When you cast it the first time, you gain a bunch of life, so you're able to survive a little bit longer. Like, right. It does a lot of things a control deck wants, and. Then you just eventually win. Like they, like it's hard to beat. I think this, this, this also is on probably. If we, we were for a moment we're only going to do five cards because we didn't know how much time we would have, and this would have, I would have fought pretty hard for to make sure. sure this be is a on top the five. five, yeah. Um, it might even be higher than that. Maybe you play a black white door, uh, a black white near death experience deck with uh, dark confidant and your seven drop that goes third from the top. Now you know it's coming. You can plan out your life total exactly to lose seven when you flip it. 
And well, win. plus, if you have laboratory maniacs, just in case you draw past it <laughs> for oh. some reason. Uh, all right. And last but not least, um, and I've, I've thought about trying to make this work in modern a few times. I had this in Highlander. I remember. Of all places. Uh, is Mazes End. Land. Mazes End enters the battlefield. Tapped. Add one color to your mana pool of no color. Just add a colorless mana. Uh, and then three mana. Tap it. You can return it to your hand. Search your library for a gate card. Put it on the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. If you control ten or more gates with different names, you win the game. That is all part of the same ability. So you only win the game if you activate it. Um, the first thing to talk towards is Thawing Glaciers, which is a uh, very old card. It's one mana to... Yeah. Uh, you. You put a land into play, and then at the end of turn, you return it to your hand. Um, is really good. Uh, it was a standard powerhouse during then. It's been played in Legacy at different times. It is one of the best cards in Commander. If I were to pick a top 10 lands in Commander list, it would possibly be my number 10. Um, it's really good. This is that. Cost three mana. It's different because that goes at the end of the end step. So if you wait to untap it or keep it around like a maze, not maze, Sundial of the Infinite, it um, right, right. can like stay around and keep going. Uh, this one happens immediately. The difference here is that you can, if you have a amulet, which we talked about, you can get two triggers off of this because you can play it. You can have it in turn, yeah. use the ability, returns to your hand, play it again as your land for the turn. It'll come into play untapped, and you can now use the gate you got the first time to use it again. Sure, you sure. kind of can go off as long as you have enough mana to do it. Um, any extra play, extra land effects like an explore or the new blue-green guy that lets you play extra lands right, are really good right. with it. Um, so there's a lot of cool things you could do with it. I think the fact that there are now, sorry, I just tapped my mic. There are now eight explorers in the format is like definitely a thing worth talking about with this card. I like card. growth spiral a lot. Um, That's and growth spiraling this at the end of their turn so that you can untap with it and then activate it on your turn to like win the game even. Like, and there's now a lot of new cards printed that care about gates that are good. Like if you were to go through all of the gate themed cards of the last two sets, you probably can get pretty close to a playable deck. Um, I, I think yeah. it's, I yeah. think it's tier three, but I think it's a deck that's pretty cool. And I would love to see people try building it. Would you build, um, what was the, is it, wasn't there a defender creature that added mana equal to the number of gates you controlled? Was that a thing that existed? Uh, yes. Oh, it's, it's Gate Creeper Vine versus Overgrown Battlement. Those are the two cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then new cards. There's, there's the, you know, there's the eight eight. That's one less for every gate you for control. For every gate, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gate, Guardian, uh, there's gate, gate, gate Pyroclasm, which is really good. Okay, there's like a bunch of new gate cards that are like very powerful. And this is a five color deck, so you can also play Door the Nothingness. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think we've gone off the rails officially. So <laughs> this was a great show topic. Who doesn't love a rail? Yeah. I don't, because we're yeah. off of it. Yeah, there you uh, go. Someone did point out that approach, if you reland your approach... Yeah. Oh, you do get it. it a second time in the game. Oh, that's why nine. That's because why someone... It's only asked that you cast it, not that it was solved. Well, it doesn't take nine. That takes still... That now takes 16, but you can, on your turn, do it, burn a remand. If you've, like, locked your opponent out of the game, like, they have no cards in hand and their board is empty, you can cast it the first time, remand, and do it again. Sweet. Um, all right, guys, that's going to wrap us up for so, the day. I want to read it really quick since that's, this is what we normally do, and we kind of talked about it. I think in order we go Laboratory Maniac is number one. Sure. Number two is Approach of the Second Sun. I think that's fair, yeah. Uh, number three is... I don't know if it's Simic Ascendancy, but it's possible. It I would seems No, really I feel like it's Maze's End okay. based on what we just talked about. That's fair. Uh, then after that, I would probably put Mechanized Production. Seems like actually doable. Uh, then Simic Ascendancy. Yeah. Uh, door to nothingness. Sure. Uh, net revel of enriches. You don't put battle wits higher than this. Oh, battle of wits is before door to nothingness. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Before, but so battle wits door to nothingness near death experience <laughs> is nowhere near the top. Revel enriches, <laughs> biovision and near death experience are all kind of bad. I love so my put two them all favorites. Biovisioner and near death experience. Alex is just like these are not possible. You're you're dumb. Oh no, I think near death experience <laughs> is possible. There are a lot of ways to make near death experience work. You're just I bitter think biovisionary is a bad card. You're just bitter because you've lost the near death like a lot of times, and you now you have like PTSD with that card. Not, not a lot. <laughs> you of just times. you just flinch. You cringe. You had a literal physical reaction. Uh, I think that <laughs> wraps us up. Okay, uh, Marshall. We're going to give you a rating that is more verbal, and we're going to put it in the video form. So as a special thing to people watching this in video form, you'll actually see what the rating list we just said out loud instead of trying to follow our conversation, which was hard. Yeah. I had, I had It'll be in the show it. notes, too. All right. Thanks, everyone. 
Um, make sure to follow our sister podcast as well. Uh, they're on zone. iTunes. They're at collected.company. They're also on Stitcher and channel. iTunes and Google Play um, and all the places you can find stuff. Same same place you can find our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a show called Game Nights. That is awesome that they do. We've uh, both been on it. We've both been on it. They also have a show called Extra Turns now. They, they really make top-notch content, so be sure to check out their stuff. Um, also, rate and review the show. Please share it with your friends, uh, your gaming group on Facebook, what have you. You know, We're trying to be super topical now as, as we go into this year and make sure that we're covering stuff that you guys want to hear us talk about. A lot of creams, some face masks. Topical, funny. <laughs> um, reach out via email to us. We have currently in the intro and outros a little bit like some outdated stuff. And in the outro, we reference emails at rocketjump.com. Um, do we have an updated email that people can send emails to? We're going to change the outro I think soon, it's the mmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, the mmcast at gmail.com is where you guys should send an email if you actually do want to reach us. Um, and finally... Patreon.com slash the MMCast. Um, guys, there's going to be updates to the Patreon coming really soon. We're going to be talking about kind of new ways to use it, new ways to interact, to build it into more of a community. We really want to reward those of you that have stayed as patrons for a long time, and that, that's something we're really excited about. But in the meantime, Patreon.com slash the MMCast is literally how we're able to do this show. We bought the Zoom off of, you know, holding on to the small amount that is in that Patreon for a very long time. That's how we could afford it. And we have now hired a producer. So trying to keep this thing going, and that is the best way to help us continue to do that and to help to be part of this community. So I just bumped the mic. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. What's the creature that if you cast it, you lose, but if they do damage to a player, they lose? Phage the Untouchable? Phage. Thank you. Um, And that's going to wrap that up. So thank you guys so much. Thanks to Marshall. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ben. All right. We'll be back same time, same place next week, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.